SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. If sports talk stations were cars, we'd be the one that you drove the wheels off of in high school, cruising for chicks and going to the game on Friday nights, then forgetting where you parked it till Saturday morning and you had to get your buddy to drive you around looking for it. I think I see it, man. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. On a Friday, it is pushing the odds here on Sports Grid Channel 204, Sirius XM. We will welcome in the Sports Map Radio audience coming up here in a couple of seconds. Matt Brutt with you. You can follow me on Twitter at Sports Talk Matt. The show is at Pushing the Odds on Twitter as well. I want to spend a couple seconds here before we get to the Sports Map folks talking about Trevor Lawrence and the workout this morning in Clemson, which, look, is a formality, right? But when you watch Trevor Lawrence throw, and you watch him, you see his hands, which are 10 inches in, in size. And it's always a little creepy, right? When we start looking at guys and their sizes and where we are with you know, their height, their weight, their hand size, whatever. But it's all relevant. It's all in there. As we all like to do this amateur scouting of these players. But you watch Trevor Lawrence. And today, I think, is the first time that if you're a New York Jet fan, I think today is the first time that you have to deal with the reality that you could have had this guy. He could have been yours if you guys had just done what you were supposed to have been done, have done, which is not win a game at the Rams and not win any games at all. And the fact that they were not and have not <laughs> earned the number one pick in the draft, and instead it's the Jacksonville Jaguars, is so incredible to me. I mean, Urban Meyer literally stood today five yards from watching Trevor Lawrence. He just watched every throw, every delivery, And this is a dream. I mean, if you're going to be a successful head coach in the NFL, the number one thing you have to solve, the number one question that must be answered before you ever have any shot at being good is who's your quarterback? And you have the number one pick in the draft, and you're taking a dude that is the best quarterback prospect since Peyton Manning and or Andrew Luck to come out of college. Okay, Look, Deshaun Watson has had a great career in the NFL, and we'll see where he continues to play because it's not going to be in Houston as, look, J.J. Watt leaving today just confirms to me that, look, this team is not going to have Watson, even if they're going to force him to sit. But this is a better quarterback than Deshaun Watson. Just from an old-school NFL quarterback situation, I mean, he's played in every big game you could have to play in up until this point. He's lost two games in his entire college career. He is really a dude that you can see leading a locker room. You can see that he is going to come in and he has been waiting for this moment for a very long time. And look, he may not be great, but it would be shocking to pretty much everybody who has watched football over the last decade to see Trevor Lawrence not be a successful NFL quarterback. He's not going to be great right away. And it'll be interesting to see if they start him on day one, right? Does he play right away? Most likely he does. Most likely he's going to get taken number one. And he will be given the playbook immediately. And he will be working with the Jaguars. And they'll probably be working on a contract before the draft even starts. This is, you know, if you're looking to bet on the NFL draft, Trevor Lawrence going one. I can tell you this. The books here in Vegas, most likely, I, I, I bet they shut off the number one pick because it's not even worth it. It's not even worth taking any you know any bets on it. I mean, I guess you could put up some stupid number that maybe somebody wants to lay for juice, but it, it is going to be Trevor Lawrence. He's going to be number one. The draft begins at number two. And what happens behind Trevor Lawrence? And then what does the team look like around Trevor Lawrence? What does the offensive line look like around Trevor Lawrence? And what type of offense really is Urban Meyer... What does he want to run? 
right? I mean, what, what is he looking to run? And, and, and what will we see out of the offense? Daryl Bevel, the new offensive coordinator, I mean, how much will they run a college style? How much will they run a professional style? You have to think that, that the you know Ohio State, Florida, Utah type of offense is going to be run. We've seen college offenses do incredible things over the last couple of years in the NFL, so it shouldn't be that big of a surprise if Trevor Lawrence gets to run an offense he's very comfortable with, and they've got great receivers already. DJ Shark and company, they've got guys who can run, who can catch the football already in Jacksonville, and they're probably going to add even more in the draft, and they're probably going to add even more in free agency. And the thing about Jacksonville, this is, you know, with Tampa winning it all, there's some pressure on Jacksonville now, right? I mean, you got a, a team that's not that far away from you now, different side of the state in different ocean front, but it's still in Florida. The defending champs are in Florida. So everyone in Jacksonville is watching that parade in Tampa, and they're like, all right, we got Urban Meyer now, and we got a new coaching staff now, and now we've got Trevor Lawrence. Like, things are starting to come together in Jacksonville. You start to kind of feel it, and you're like, all right, so the Texans are a complete mess the Colts need a quarterback. Now, I think that's a very attractive place for a quarterback to land, and I think a quarterback will either be traded to or signing a free agent deal to go play in Indianapolis to replace Phillip Rivers, who retired. But that's a job that once we figure out who's the quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, you probably say them and the Titans are the teams to beat in the division, right? But... This division for a long time was a laughing stock. I do think the Texans are going to be a laughing stock. I think they're going to be awful next year. I think they're going to be because I think Watson's gone. So if Watson is gone, they'll be you know they'll tank. They'll try to get into the draft again. That they'll go two and fourteen and then try to rebuild from there. They got a new head coach, new general manager, and the team has to really find a way to kind of get away from all of this negativity. You know, you're losing the face of your franchise in J.J. Watt, and then Deshaun Watson's your 25-year-old dude who wants to go out. So there is that. And, I, you know, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen with the Jaguars in year one of Trevor Lawrence. Now, he's going to have surgery to repair the non-throwing shoulders labrum, which they found during the pre uh, during the, the the pre-examination that they saw that he needs to have surgery. That's why he threw today versus at the combine. But, I mean, it's a smart move for him. He's at his home facility. He's with his own receivers, looking very comfortable. Scouts are there to watch him. But, I mean, we're going to hear everyone say rave reviews about Trevor Lawrence. I'm bullish, man. I'm. You have to be on the Jags as where they will go in the future. Don't know about Urban Meyer, but I, I think just history tells us that Meyer wins, and he knows what he's doing, and he'll build a staff and a team that will have them be competitive in that conference, in that division. It's going to be a lot of fun. Trevor Lawrence is going to be a good one, I think, and I'm not stepping on a limb by saying that. we got more to come. We welcome in the Sports Map audience next. It's Pushing the Odds on SportsGrid, Channel 204. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Las Vegas, Nevada, by way of Boston, Massachusetts. Here he is, Matt Kamaru Usman made weight at 170 today. I believe Gilbert Burns did, although I've not seen the official report on Twitter yet that we are good to go for Saturday night's main event tomorrow night here in Vegas for 
UFC 258 between Kamaru Usman and Gilbert Burns. I do, and I'm very interested to hear from Joey Odessa at 40 past the hour. A bit about his take at MMA Odds on Twitter about whether the books are laying a trap here for the public to take Burns, that this is not actually a good dog to bet on simply because Usman has been so dominant and when they initially opened up the line the first time around, it was like minus 160, minus 170. And now we're looking at, you know, minus 300 here across the board for Usman trying to entice. No one wants to lay one to three on a title fight. And, uh, but I mean, it's at the FanDuel Sportsbook, it's minus 290, plus 235 on the comeback for Gilbert Burns. A lot of people think Gilbert Burns is lie for this fight because they're training partners and they've known each other and and I don't I just don't see it. I've watched enough of Kamaru Usman's fight in person including his fight against Colby Covington. The dude is not the most explosive. He's not the most you know exciting of fighters. He's just an incredible mixed martial artist. He will grind you, he will dominate you. His strength is unreal. And he just makes you, he, he burns you out, not to steal the, the pun, but that's what he does. He just grinds you to a pulp, and then he'll hit you enough times that he'll knock you out like he did with Covington in the fifth round, where he just made him tired and then broke his jaw. So uh, I'm very curious to see what this fight looks like. I'm going to be watching this fight. The co-main, Alex Garasso and Macy Barber, is should be a barn burner. It's now minus 130 on Alex Grasso. Macy Barber lost her last fight, and yet she gets the co-main event here. Interesting. Uh, it was a decision, kind of a, not really a disputed decision, but still lost a decision. And now Macy Barber gets a co-main? Hmm. I don't know. That's 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 kind of peculiar to me. So maybe Alex Grasso. I'm going to be looking to do a two-fight parlay with Kamaru Usman. That's how I approach most fights like this that have major lines, I'm not laying 290 juice, but I'll try to find a fight on the card that I think is going to be, not, there are no sure things in mixed martial arts, but if somebody gives me a tip, if, if we hear from Joey Odessa and he's like, look, I'm all over Alex Gra- Alexa Grasso, I think she's going to come in here and dominate Macy Barber, then I'll probably take like a Grasso and Usman parlay together. If you did that at the FanDuel Sportsbook, you get plus 138 odds on it. So that's kind of how I approach things. That's how I, you know, in terms of the way that I look to bet UFC events, I don't believe in parlaying except for I do at times do money line parlays for hockey and I will do money line parlays for the UFC. And and, and that's kind of the way I will bet this fight. Not kind of, this is the way I will bet this fight coming up this weekend on Saturday night. This is not a great slate for college basketball games tonight. Okay, I've already talked about it on the sports grid side of things, but for you guys on sports map, I like Akron minus four and a half. There's been some money coming in on Miami, Ohio, which has dropped that game down to four, but I do like Akron to win tonight on the road. Third straight road game, so people are thinking that it's time for you know this train to stop for Akron, but I do like the Zips to win tonight on the road at Miami, Ohio, laying the four and a half, which I did. You can get four now at FanDuel, so you can get a better number than what I bet last night at four and a half, but uh, the real 
interesting game is tomorrow between Loyola of Chicago, who have won 10 straight games, up against Drake of the Missouri Valley. No line yet out on that game, but those are the two best teams in the Valley. Drake has been a betting darling. Got back on the Drake train two days ago, covering that 9.5-point line at home against Northern Iowa. Uh, this I can't wait. To, there's two games, Saturday, Sunday, Drake and Chicago, Drake and Loyola. Back-to-back days in the Missouri Valley. Should be a lot of fun to watch those games and bet those games in the Valley. But first, we start the show with our four big stories. We start this hour with this, what we call the hard four. It's time for the hard four on Pushing the Odds with Matt Peralt. So, J.J. Watt has been released. He asked for it. He wanted to be released, and the future Hall of Famer can now pick which team he's going to go to. If you're looking at offshore odds right now, the Packers are the odds on favor to land him, him going back to his home in Chicago. Also, the Pittsburgh Steelers right there as well. His two brothers play in Pittsburgh. I don't think, personally, you should sleep on the Raiders. If the Raiders and John Gruden want Richard Sherman, why wouldn't they watch J.J. Watt? Heck, take them both to come here and play defense in Vegas. The offense is good enough. Need defensive help. J.J. with the Raiders would be wild. But on social media, he said goodbye to Houston. I have tried to do everything in my power to work and earn your respect and try and make you proud on and off the field. Um, You guys have given me everything and more, and I can only hope that you feel like I've given you everything I have. Number two, tough beat last night in the Warriors game. I cashed at minus five, but if you had bet seven or eight, ouch. Team wins by six. A Curry three at the buzzer does not count. He shot it underhanded, but he hit 10 threes that did count, and the MVP chance are coming now for Steph Curry with their win over the Warriors. His coach, Steve Kerr, and what Curry did last night. It is routine, which uh, which is the crazy part of it. You know, you... you uh... You just come to expect it. And um, these threes that he hits, when there's nothing there offensively, and he just uh, uses his dribble to, to, you know, free him up, free himself up, not exactly with a ton of space, just, uh, you know, a few inches of space. And then he rises up, and, and you expect every single one of them to go in. It's um, it's kind of crazy. Uh, he's in a he's in a really good groove, and so is Draymond. I think that's uh, a big part of it is just how well Draymond is playing and how well they play together. Number three, Trevor Lawrence held his pro day today at Clemson because he'll have surgery on his non-throwing shoulder to repair a labrum tear before the draft, so no combine for him. Everyone in the NFL scouting world was there, basically, including Urban Meyer and his new head offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel, who said before what he was looking for out of Lawrence. For me, it's just important, like I said earlier, just to see the ball come out of his hands. I think that one of the hardest things to do um, on tape is, you know, is one, to be able to tell velocity um, and, you know, and just just the way it comes out of his hand. Also, I want to see, you know, the command that he's going to have, you know, kind of our first opportunity to be able to get him in person. So um, excited to do that. We won't be able to, you know, to meet and talk to him like we normally would before or after. So it's just going to be, um, you know, the, the workout itself. Um, but excited to, to, you know, to watch him throw in person. Early returns, Trevor Lawrence did everything that we wanted him to do. Trevor Lawrence will be the first pick in the draft to the Jaguars. Fourth and finally, Tom Brady's going to have offseason knee surgery. Is that a big deal for a 43, 44-year-old quarterback to have surgery on his knee? Not according to Jeff Darlington of ESPN. 
This is not the beginning of the end for Tom Brady by any means at 43 years old. This is a planned surgery that he's had in the works for several months. Uh, he actually never was listed on the injury report throughout the season because, quite honestly, it never kept him out of practice or anything like that. It is uh, considered minor based on the conversations that I've had so far. Shouldn't keep him out of any offseason work either. Those are our four big stories for you guys here on a Friday's Pushing the Odds, 702-751. Matt is the text line, 702-751. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This morning on social media, telling everybody that, look, I asked for this. Don't get mad at the McNair family. I asked them, and they have said yes to my release. So is this a win-win? Is this one of those situations, one of those rare situations, where it's good for both sides? I think there is some truth to that, but not from a football standpoint for the team. This is a PR move. What I mean by that is... The Texans 100% should have gotten something for J.J. Watt. And there would have been, I think, there would have been suitors for J.J. Watt. Now, I don't know about, you know, first-round pick, second-round pick. That would be rather surprising given his age and given the number as to what we're talking about in terms of just the productivity, the contract, you know, everything that's gone into J.J., that would be tough. Third-round pick? Fourth-round pick? I mean, something, right? It is interesting that they have decided that, okay, yeah, we're just going to cut you and let you go, and we aren't going to you know, try to shop you. We aren't going to try to get something back. So to me, it would be one of those situations where the Houston Texans have traded J.J. Watt. Like, how does that go over? How does that, if you're a Houston Texans fan and you open up the Chronicles website and the headline, Texans trade Watt, What's your reaction to that? Oh, my gosh, Jack Easterby, you did it again, man. You did it again. You got rid of another guy. Unbelievable. Who did you, what did you get for him this time? Another washed-up running back? Because they lost the new Hopkins trade so badly, this gives them an out. This gives them, hey, I didn't want to do this. He wanted out. Texans fans, don't get mad at us. Don't get mad at the team. J.J. wanted it, so we're just going to go ahead and let him do it. We're, we're, we're giving him, as a 32-year-old, for a decade of service, he has earned the right to go end his career somewhere else. It's a PR move for the team to acquiesce and say yes, but it's a bad move from a franchise that needs draft capital in the wake of the, JJ, uh, wake of the Bill O'Brien trading <laughs> ridiculousness. With the Dolphins and with, uh, you know, getting rid of with the Cardinals. I mean, they need draft capital. And you have a guy that could have brought back draft capital, but they're choosing not. They choose not to, to do that, so they let him go. So, again, it's to kind of say, well, look, it's not our fault. But this is all interconnected because Deshaun Watson, I mean, you got to be looking around going, okay, so I lost Hopkins. I've lost Watt. Um, why am I here still? He doesn't want to be there anymore. And the more that you remove players like this, I 
in some ways, a part of me says it makes it easier for the team to trade Watson because you have to burn it to the ground. And having a 25-year-old quarterback who is making a lot of money, who is clearly going to be disgruntled, probably isn't what you want. That's probably not a good idea. You probably want to bring in a rookie quarterback. You probably want to bring in someone you can build the team around and go forward with. So if the Dolphins want to give you a top five pick, great. But if they don't, and let's just say Tungvaloa is their guy, and they say, look, we just drafted a guy with the fifth pick in the draft. Like, what are we doing? Like, we, we can't just give up on him right now. He, he's our guy, and we sold the franchise. We sold the team and the fans on this dude, and he played okay. So we're, you know, we're all in on Tua. And we're not going to make a move for Watson. And we're not going to give up draft capital. And we've got a chance to go get a really good wide receiver or a really good offensive lineman or defensive lineman or whatever it might be, right? So don't burn that top three pick to go acquire a guy that, okay, would be an upgrade, but we can win with Tua. We're we're good with Tua. So let's just say they keep the pick and the, the Dolphins are not involved. So the Jets, Watson doesn't want to go there. So now the Watson to New York thing is done. So we got that. And so now you got to be careful and you got to look around and go, okay, so what's going to happen with that situation in New York? If he's not going to New York, are the Jets going to keep Sam Darnold? Uh, Okay. If they're not going to keep Sam Darnold, then are they going to go try to sign one of these free agent quarterbacks? I don't know. I mean, maybe they keep Sam Darnold. Maybe they say, look, we're going to take an offensive tackle with the number two pick in the draft or a defensive tackle with the number two pick in the draft. So Lawrence goes one, and then two and three, we go, I don't know, wide out, wide out. We go defensive lineman, wide out, and the Dolphins are taking a wide out at number three, right? I mean, Jamar Chase should go number three to Miami. It makes perfect sense. So then you've got a question on Justin Fields. Where does he fall? And then if you're the Texans, you start looking around at your potential, and maybe you're like, all right, maybe one of these quarterbacks will fall to us. And maybe we have an opportunity to go and get a guy in the draft that could replace Deshaun Watson as the future, and then we can make a trade. Or maybe we try to go up in the NFL draft and and say that maybe it's not the team that has a top 10 pick, but maybe we feel comfortable that someone's going to fall to us just outside the top 10, and you can make some news, make, make some noise. You can potentially go and do a trade that will get you in the ballpark of one of the quarterbacks left on the board. Because if you look at some of the mock drafts right now with this, you know, there are some people who are saying that there's going to be quarterbacks, good quarterback talent available somewhere in, you know, the, the seven to 15 range. And, you know, Carolina might be willing to move up. I mean, Todd McShay's latest mock draft is kind of whack. McShay's got Lawrence going one and Zach Wilson of BYU going two. Now, that's the first time I've seen that kid going as high as number two. But okay. Then the Dolphins potentially do a trade, and then Trey Lance, the quarterback for North Dakota State, going three. So quarterback, 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 top three. Then the Falcons taking Justin Fields, quarterback, 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 four straight quarterbacks. Then we talk about you know offensive linemen and wide receivers, Devontae Smith, and then Jalen Waddell maybe to the Dolphins at eight if they swap picks. But then you're looking at the Broncos at number nine. And if the Broncos are interested in Watson, then maybe you can go ahead and make a move and make a trade for a top 10 pick. And then maybe there's somebody there 
from a quarterback perspective that you would like. And, and you know, maybe you can sit there and say, let's see who may fall out. Maybe they can go get a Kyle Pitts there, or maybe they can go and try to get maybe a Mac Jones there from Alabama to come in. Maybe that's going to fit the offensive style they want to run. There would be a quarterback talent there at 9-10, most likely, because I doubt I, I don't see quarterbacks going 1-2-3-4. I just don't. It would be shocking if that were to happen, but I'd be surprised. So, if it's not one, two, three, four, then the Broncos come to play for Watson, and they and they kind of make sense. It kind of it kind of works out. Like, all right, that that seems to be somewhat logical. That might actually be smart. But for JJ Watt, who now has to look around to see where he could, where does he want to go and play? I'll be very curious to see what his motives are. If it's just to win a championship, go to Tampa. Isn't that the most logical place? If he's going to go and try to win a championship, sign for a million dollars, go play with Tom Brady in Tampa, and go help them run it back. That seems to be the logical place to land. If you don't want to go and chase a ring like that, and you want to go to a team that might just need you your one or two players away, well, go play defense for Green Bay. Go home. Go play for the Packers. Take a $1 million deal, whatever it is. Go play for the Packers. Go play with Aaron Rodgers, who you're close with anyway. Go back home, end your career in Wisconsin, close to your family and friends, and it works out. Your wife plays in Chicago. It all works. Speaking of your wife, maybe you go play in Chicago, but there are so many questions in Chicago with the offense and the quarterback spot. I don't think Chicago is a a realistic landing spot for J.J. Watt. But I do think that there are, you know, I would say if I'm J.J., I start with Tampa, and I kind of think about whether I want to go down there and play. I then look at Green Bay. I then would look at the, pack, the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers with my brothers. Although I think there are so many questions. If you're going to ring chase, playing with your brothers is fun, right? And the idea of winning a championship with your brothers would be a lot of fun. But you have an aging, an aging Ben Roethlisberger. The division's getting much more difficult. The Browns aren't going anywhere. I don't know. At 32, it depends upon like what are his priorities, and and sometimes you know playing with your brothers would be great. Other times, it's kind of like, eh, you know, I kind of want to do my own thing. So, I think the sleeper in all of this are the Las Vegas Raiders, and I think J.J. Watt is the type of guy that the Raiders would jump all over. They're they're keeping their offense intact. They're keeping Derek Carr, like we talked about yesterday. They've got the receivers. They're going to make some moves and some upgrades. My guess is they're going to draft another receiver to go ahead and go on the other side of Henry Ruggs. And I think they're going to try to go with two speed burner wide receivers and then have a great tight end over the middle in Darren Waller. I think they, they, they feel like Josh Jacobs is a really good running back. they got to keep their offensive line healthy. I would expect them to address some offensive line help, but their defense needs a leader. And that's why you saw that tampering situation coming in with a, hey, why don't you come play with, he- with us here, Richard Sherman, when Gruden was on that podcast with Collinsworth and Sherman. But J.J. Watt is an alpha. He's an absolute leader. He's an absolute walk-in day one leading your defense, no questions asked. I think that would be a significant move. I think that would be a wild move. And I don't know... If the Raiders become, you know, anywhere near the Chiefs on that, but it closes the gap between the Raiders and the Chiefs if you get J.J. Watt to come in. Because he changes your team. He changes everything about your team. And he becomes the leader of that defense. He becomes the alpha that John Gruden's looking for. 
So I wouldn't sleep on the Raiders, at least make it a really big push at J.J. Watt. The question is, does he want to live in Nevada? Does he want to live in Vegas? Does he want to live in the Pacific time zone? What, what's his take? Where does he want to go? He's going to be able to pick the team. It's more or less the team won't pick him. He gets to pick the team for where J.J. Watt goes next. But it is wild how Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt now both control what happens, in my opinion, in the NFL draft in April. Next, UFC 258. It is Usman against Burns. Joey Odessa, let's get his take on the card. The welterweight championship of the world next here on Pushing the Odds. The first 20 sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Listening to Pushing the Odds live from Las Vegas. Here's Matt Peralt. UFC 258. It is happening tomorrow night on pay per view. We've got a headline fight between Gilbert Burns and Kamaru Usman, but other fights to get into with our guy Joey Odessa at MMA Odds on Twitter joining us here on Pushing the Odds. Joey Matt Peralt, how are you? Hey, how you doing today, Matt? I'm wonderful. Thank you for coming on. Okay, let me ask you a question about the odds in the main event because they initially, when this fight first came up, Gilbert Burns had all this heat around him. He had been knocking people out like crazy, training partner, so he knew him well. And so the odds were like minus 160, 75, wherever you were looking at. Now, when the fight gets scrapped and then reworked and it's going to happen on Saturday night, why is it now 3-1, to one, or 1-3, one to three rather, on the favorite for Usman, where it wasn't that a couple of months ago? You know, I, for, for starters, I think Usman is the right side here. Yeah. Uh, with that said, you know, they opened this up in the past, and they saw which side the wise guys came in on early. And apparently they felt that they were going to come back with Kamaru Usman in this fight, you know, for this, you know, when it was rescheduled. So I'm guessing, and, and again, it's purely a guess here, that, uh, that the wise guys just realized that, look, you know, we're not going to get that bargain price, that, that initial opener for a previously scheduled bout. And, you know, a fair price, 250 260 you know, 3-1. to one. Usman, you know, I believe Usman's going to win the fight. I think Burns has been, you know, I think, Again, these guys have trained together, but what what you're hearing is how good Burns did with him in training, and it's it's really trying to sell this fight. Yeah, I and agree. They're trying to sell it, you know, against the seventeen a guy who's seventeen and one, uh, a phenomenal athlete, three time Division two All American wrestler, one time champ. He's just beating the brakes off everybody they put in front of him. Uh, you know, it's really tough to bet against Usman here. I, I think the Usman is I don't think Usman will lose a round. Let me say that. I'm with you on this, and I think the public's getting suckered in here because the books know that they're going to bet Burns because it's a big 2 plus 230 plus 240 favorite here. And again, Burns has been on a hot streak. He just beat Woodley. He beat Maya, knocked him out. He, you know, he's he's been looking like you know everything as much as much as a contender here in this. But Kamaru Usman, I mean, he's just 
a mixed martial arts tactician, is he not? I mean, his fights go really long. 17-21 is average fight time. So he's not stopping people. He's not finishing people. But he just dominates, right? Yeah, I mean, look, Usman, you know, Gilbert Burns, when he fought uh, when he fought Damian Maya, that was, you know, that was three fights removed from Maya losing to Usman and Maya also losing to Colby Covington. When he fought Tyron Woodley, Usman beat Woodley right before that, five-round decision. People were kind of calling Woodley washed. He didn't look good in that fight at all. And, and then Burns had him next. You know, I, I think that, you know, I don't want to say Burns is a uh, is, uh, is, is in this spot because of maybe the favorable matchmaking, but I, you know, it really it looks to me that way. I mean, Usman fought everybody when they were apparently still competitive because it was less than three to one favorite over most of these guys. Mm. So at FanDuel, at certain books, you can find will the fight go the distance? The yes is minus one twenty two on this. Do you see this thing going to the cards, or could you see Usman getting a stoppage? Well, look, you have to figure Usman, what, nine of, I think nine of Usman's last ten bouts went to decision or, or you know, completed three full rounds. Uh, mm-hmm. Five of them, the last five, went five full. So that could also factor into the price. You figure, look, the longer your guy's out there, the better chance he's got to win. You know, a guy like Gilbert Burns, he's got, you know, he's got eight submission wins, six, six knockouts, so what, 14 of, 14 of his 21 fights have ended inside the distance. So you've got to think of him as being live to catch Usman, but Usman doesn't get caught. At least he showed, well, excuse me, I, you know, some guys have had his back in the past, but Usman is just that much better on the feet, I believe. And sure, you know, anybody can land a big shot, but Usman's been hit before. Right. You know, he's been hit right, you know, he's been hit on the button before and and I really haven't seen him hurt. I don't think that Burns is gonna hurt him. And again, these two guys training at Sanford MMA, you know, they'll say, Well that benefits Burns and you know, I saw some video footage which was just ridiculous. Uh you know, look, there's some world beaters in practice. I'm sure there's guys <laughs> in other gyms around you know, around the country that probably look really, really good against a guy like Israel Adesanya or a guy like Guzman, but then when you get out there when it's crunch time and it's just, it's not even competitive. And I think that that's the case here with Burns. I think Burns has been, uh, and you know, I'll have egg on my face if it goes the other way, but it's not going to. Um, You know, you look back at Burns, you know, the matchmaking with Burns, I mean, even when he beat Gunnar Nelson, Gunnar Nelson was just coming off a a loss to Leon Edwards and uh, Pontanibio. You know, if you go further back in his, uh, you know, further back, Against he, he fought that Russian kid. Well, the Russian kid. I mean, the Russian kid beat Diego Alves and Okami. I mean, Okami. I, I don't want to knock the Japanese fighter, but you know, Okami's been you know out of the mix for quite a long time. He's got double digit losses. I think he's got like fifteen losses on this record. So again, I think he's brought up well. And you know, credit to him. He's, he's headlining a UFC this weekend, and you know, he's a great jujitsu uh, practitioner. You know, a couple time uh, no gi world champ, but. You know, this isn't jujitsu. This is this is mixed martial arts, and I think mm. that Usman is better at it, probably everything but jujitsu in this in this bout. <laughs> I would agree. And look, I, I think this is where. You know, if you're a public better, be careful here betting the dog in the under because I think you're going to see that plus 215 price on the under and you think, oh, birth by knockout, let's go. He's going to KO Usman. He'll win the fight. I just, just be, I'm just, I'm warning you here. I think this is a trap line that the books are laying here and they're expecting public money to come in on Burns in the under. And I think Usman and the over are, are both going to be the, the side to be on. Joey, where are you on the co main with Alexa Grasso against Macy Barber? Barber's coming off of a loss. I'm a little surprised to see her back in a co-main event right after a loss but it feels like 
you know, either one of these fighters winning would be a good thing for the UFC because both have highly marketable opportunities in the future. Well, you know, Barber, apparently Barber had that injury in the bout against Roxanne Matafari. You know, Roxanne's one of those girls that loses to everybody she's not supposed to lose. You know, she right. she beats, <laughs> she beats she fights to the level of her opposition, really. She pulls a couple upsets. She had one of the bigger upsets in, in that Barber bout, for instance. But, uh... Grasso opened around two to one, and the, and the numbers coming down towards you know Macy Barber's getting bet. But if you look, if you if you kind of look at the media and and, and people's picks, people are, are are supporting Grasso in this spot. So it's kind of weird. The numbers going against like the public, uh, you know, the public's opinion on this fight. I think Macy Barber wins this fight. And I think Alexa Grasso's a good fighter, but you know, again, see, with the really like. Everything that we've seen, you know, that I've seen, it, it all points to Grasso, 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 and it's just, and the numbers moving the other way. I think that Macy Barber, uh, I think Macy Barber will get a win here. She's 22 years old. She's eight and one, and so this is about seasoning, right? So, but but Barber's got the look. She's got the talent. She's a tough girl. She can really scrap. I, I'm, I mean, if she wins this fight, this is a big opportunity for her to kind of get back. Is this the case where? And look, I often look for storylines here a little bit. I mean, Grasso's 27, not like she's old, but you know, Barber could be the the next young thing up and coming in the UFC in, in this division for for the women's fighters. Is this a chance if she gets a spectacular victory to kind of up her her stock with the company? Oh, sure. I mean, look, she, she, she definitely, I mean, she's got the look, she's got the talk to go with it. She's 8-1 and one right now. She's young. You know, but that, don't, you know, that doesn't always work out. I mean, if, for instance, yeah. I'm not going to throw you off course here, but look at the bare-knuckle fighting last week. Paige right. Van Zandt, I mean, they don't get better looking than her, and she got, you know, she got smoked in that fight. She got she got beat up pretty good, and they had a significant investment on them, and I'm sure that they wanted Paige to win. So that a lot of times when you look at it that way, things don't work out. Sage Northcutt, same thing. Good-looking kid, you know, just look like a miniature Ivan Drago, I mean, physical specimen, and, you know, he was just, he was, you know, I'm not going to say he was an average fighter, but he was an average fighter at his weight, you know, considering yeah. the competition he was in with. Uh, Joey, what do you make of the Jim Miller-Bobby Green fight? This is really interesting. Miller has been around for absolute ever. Every time he fights, his fights are really exciting. Uh, I, I mean, a lot of people are going to want to jump in here and take the plus 220 dog, but is Bobby Green worth being a 1-3 to three favorite here? No, but at the same time, I, I'm not going to run out to bet either one of these guys. I mean, look, Miller, how many losses? Miller's got 15 losses on his record. Bobby Green's got 11. So we're looking at 26 losses between the two of them, which is more than, say, for instance, uh, Marquez and, and Patolo have combined, you know, which is the, the bout after that. When you get guys with double-digit, you know, double-digit losses like that, they're not looking at it, you know, they're not in the title picture, so they're out there. A lot of times they'll fight for those performances of the night. They'll fight for that knockout of the night. They'll kind of go like all in, as opposed to like a methodical path to victory, like someone like Usman would use. You know, they, they weird things happen in fights like that. You know, look at uh, look at Miller and Clay Guida. Yeah. Same same type of scenario. Two older guys. You know. So again, I, I'm staying away from that fight. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy. I hope that you know. I imagine Bobby Green. I, I want to like Bobby Green there, but I'm not going to go lay a price, and I'm not going to get caught in a dog trap with Miller. Yeah, seriously. Okay, so we like Barber, we like Usman, we like the over in the main event. Any other fight in this card you're eyeballing, Joey? 
Well, sure. I, I think that I like uh, Mallory Martin to, to upset uh, the Beyond. Uh, excuse me, not upset. She's about a dollar thirty-five. I think Ricky Simon. Now it's easy for me to sit here and you know guys will come on and say, "Well, bet this four to one favor." Well, look, if you want a four to one favorite that, that's going to win it, that's Bilal Muhammad. Muhammad's going to be <laughs> Diego Lima, but I'm not going to lay four to one on him. The number it was around three to one. You know, I, they'll say, "Well, if you're going to lay three to one, you might as well lay four to one." Well, yes. I mean, if you're in this game, fifty-two weeks, you'll lay the, the three or four to one on Muhammad. But I like Ricky Simon to beat Kelleher. Kelleher's fighting so much. I mean, can you fight too much? I mean, the guy is like the most active fighter in the UFC right now, it feels like. Well, you sure you can. I mean, guys, you know, fighting to, you can overtrain too. I mean, some guys can stay in shape. You know, a guy like Daniel Cormier would train for the event, you know, and he'd have a camp for the event. I'm sure he'd come in really heavy. He, he always had weight problems when he was fighting that light heavyweight and when he was wrestling in the Olympics. Some guys need to train for the event, and some guys can just stay in shape and maintain, and that's kind of Kelleher. But that's why Kelleher's 22-11. and 11. That's why he's got double-digit losses, and his opponent, Ricky Simon, 17-3, and three doesn't. You know, when you're, when you're fighting that much, you know, it just, uh, at some point, your body... You know, your body needs a rest. Yeah, I totally agree. Joey, thank you for the time. Love the conversation. Thanks for the plays. Really appreciate it. Best of luck on Saturday. Thanks, man. Have a great weekend. You too, sir. That's Joey Odessa at MMA Odds on Twitter to follow him on Pushing the Odds. Just kind of recap. So the over two and a half rounds, he likes Kamaru Usman. I'm with you. Most books aren't going to let you parlay that together. Usman in the over. If you have a book that lets you do that, that's a pretty good way of betting this, I think. I think you could also take the over and and take Barber at plus 108 and then come back on the other side and take Usman if you want uh, just to lay the, the minus 290 at the FanDuel Sportsbook if you want. I'm not, I am not. I hate advocating that type of number because it's so expensive, but I mean, Usman's going to win the fight, so I think you got to find something else to parlay it with. If you like the Ricky Simon conversation, if you can find that on the undercard, you can go ahead and bet that. I, I think that there are... Uh, you know, This card is not like March. I will say that. The card in March is going to be crazy. The cards in March are going to be crazy. March the 6th and March the 27th, the, the, there are five title fights being decided, including the heavyweight championship of the world and the light heavyweight championship of the world, all to be decided in the month of March. Barn burner. Just kind of get through February and get to March, and the UFC is going to be rocking. It's going to be the UFC's version of March Madness. Good stuff with Joey Odessa. we got more to come here on Pushing the Odds. Don't move on a Friday. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Money line tonight. Akron minus four and a half are two plays that I'm on tonight. Uh, I am... I'm waiting on the Loyola and Drake line for Saturday and Sunday for the Missouri Valley Conference. And I'm really interested and really excited to watch those two basketball games in the Missouri Valley Conference. Loyola's won 10 games in a row. Drake has been the basketball betting darling of the college basketball betting world this year. They came back and beat Northern Iowa, covered that 9.5-point line uh, this week. So those two teams have been on a collision course, and this is the game, this is the two games that could say a lot about, you know, which team is going to get 
if they were to lose the Valley Tournament, which team might be able to get an at-large bid, meaning if like Drake won both games over Loyola, but they lost in the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament, they could probably get an at-large bid. I believe Joe Lenardi has Drake as a 12 seed, which I think is a little bit disrespectful, but it's typical Valley nonsense where they always get disrespected and have for years until Creighton and Wichita State really changed the narrative around that. Northern Iowa did for a bit as well. It's gone back now that those programs, well, the, well the, you and I is still there, but Drake and uh, but Creighton and Wichita State are not. And now you've got you know a team that's really, really good, you know, eight, you know, eighteen and one, nineteen and one, saying no, you're not deserving of an at-large bid because of your strength of schedule. In a year where you've got five joke, you know, blue blood programs have joke records. It's just, it's typical trash from people who make predictions. But whatever, I, I, I'm a big Valley supporter, and I get very angry at the way the Valley gets treated. But I, I mean, Usman is going to win the fight Saturday night. Okay, so I think you got to find something to parlay. You know, parlay it with. If you go to the FanDuel Sportsbook, if you want to run with a with a with a parlay, Usman and Barber to fight money line parlay, it's plus one eighty. All right, so that's not bad. That's not bad at all. And then if you want to run here and grab a hold of, I think you bet Ford to win Daytona. Okay, I've done this before. I've made money betting Ford. I'm betting on a Ford to win the Daytona 500. Find that prop. FanDuel should have it up by the time the race starts on Sunday. If you're in Vegas, well, I think you find a bunch of options. Coming up next, lunchtime with bookmakers in Vegas. Ryan Blessing on sports. Great sports map. We roll on next.